Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hits! Browns are going to win! Bayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. fans now cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns hey everybody welcome back to cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns here from the akron beacon journal and the usa today network this is dan Cater, joined by browns beat writer nate ulrich nate how's it going good dan how are you very 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 good uh, apologies off the off the jump to everybody for not getting something out last week, but like we mentioned in the last recording we did, the the news cycle for us just wasn't good last week with the election and the trade deadline, and you know nothing really happened for the Browns at the deadline anyway. So we're going to move beyond that because the Browns are moving into the second half of the season starting on Sunday against the Houston Texans. So. This podcast is going to be a little bit of a, a second-half look ahead for the Browns. We're going to talk about Sunday's game specifically a little bit, and we'll see what else we get into. But, Nate, we're in a, we're in a strange situation here with the Browns. They're 5-3, and three, so they're right in the mix for one of these wild-card spots. I guess the, the big overarching question is, can the Browns go five and three in the second half of the season like they did in the first half? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think they can, but it's really going to hinge on, I think, the next two games. Just if you look at the schedule, and we can play the schedule game if you want, but I, I think that it's going to be crucial because I don't have them beating the Titans. I don't have them beating the Ravens or the Steelers in those rematches. Well, there's your three losses right there. So if you want to go five and three again, you got to beat Houston. You got to beat Philly. And those teams don't have good records this year, but I think both of them are sneaky teams. I think that they're better than, uh, you know, you would think, but just looking at the, the record on paper, I have a lot of respect for Deshaun Watson. I like him a lot. I always have. He's two and zero against the Browns in his career. And Carson Wentz has played the Browns once, but played really well against them in his rookie season right off the bat. And he's 1-0 against the Browns. I know he's had his struggles, but, you know, Philly still has a, a, a defense that can really get after the passer, really apply a lot of pressure. So sometimes, you know, you can't just look at the record. you got to look at the matchups and a defense defensive front that can really get after a quarterback and really, uh, you know, apply consistent pressure has not been, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's friend 
is not it, it has not been uh, conducive to success for him so overall. So you know it might be uh, a tough matchup too. So I look at these next two games and think it's kind of make or break time for this playoff run. You know if they're really seriously going to going to do this, they've got to win these games. Yeah, you're right there. And if they if they happen to split, it be, the rest of the season becomes you have to at least beat Baltimore or Pittsburgh, at least one of them, and maybe even beat Tennessee, which is week 13, the rest of the Browns' schedule. Well, I'll just run through it real quick. Home versus Houston, home versus Philadelphia, at Jacksonville, at Tennessee, which is a game we've been talking about all year, primetime against Baltimore in Cleveland in week 14, at the New York Giants, at the New York Jets around Christmas time, which is going to be interesting. And then the season ender versus Pittsburgh. So, but it, it is these first two games, Houston and Philadelphia, and it's extremely ironic. It's coming against Watson and Wentz who are the quarterbacks the Browns actively passed on in the draft. I mean, it, you can't write this stuff any better. I, I don't know if the NFL's schedule makers thought of that when they were putting the schedule together. I doubt it, but the irony there is extremely rich. Um, but like you said, Nate, these two games are not gimmies, particularly when you factor in this Houston game against a very good quarterback and a team in the Browns who have been really bad on defense in the second half of the year. Can this Browns defense turn it around? And is there, is there a way for the defense to get better and not rely on just miles Garrett making miraculous plays in games they win? I'm really skeptical about it. I wish I could say, yeah, sure. But, you know, they didn't get the, the help that, um, you know, we had kind of talked about them possibly getting at the trade deadline. So it's just guys who are there. Now, Ronnie Harrison has developed into a starter for them, and he's going to play more, you know, as long as he stays healthy. He should be the starter for the second half of the season as opposed to in the first half where he's just the starter for the kind of the tail end of uh, those first eight games. So, you know, that that should help because he's played well. You know, Mac Wilson, he talked yesterday to, to Browns Beat reporters on Zoom and said that he feels like he's 100% healthy now from that hyperextended knee that he had in August in training camp. And, you know, if he's healthy and able to, to play more of a normal workload, um, maybe that can help. But, you know, it's not like he's an all-world linebacker either, you know. There's still a you know glaring weakness in that position group and in the secondary, even though Harrison's helping that. So I just don't see the defense suddenly becoming a lot better. I just I just don't. So I think that the Browns' path to victory is is continuing uh, what they've done when they have one, and, and usually that's you know. Having the defense cover some of its warts with some takeaways, you know, leading the NFL in that category, we've talked about it's been so crucial. And then scoring points, you know, having a, an efficient offense, an opportunistic offense 
when there are those takeaways, um, capitalizing on them, and then, you know, putting up points. And, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. going out, uh, you know, for the season uh, against the Bengals a couple weeks ago, obviously, you know, that doesn't help the offense. It's a, it's something that we'll see over time if it helps Baker Mayfield, but overall, just when you look at the offense and, and uh, his ability to stretch a defense vertically to, to, to make coordinators and, uh, you know, defenders worry about a, a dynamic and electric playmaker who can hit a home run, so to speak, you know, that's not there. So obviously getting Nick Chubb back is huge. He practiced yesterday for the first time yesterday, meaning Monday. We're recording on Tuesday, uh, close to 4 p.m. here. So Wyatt Teller coming back in the same practice, another big boost. If they can get those two guys back, I think they can get this running game rolling again, and that's exactly what they're going to need, especially with Odell out and especially with you know the weather turning here uh, in Northeast Ohio and, and obviously – uh, some of the other places the Browns will play. Yeah, and I, I'm looking for the stat right now. The the Wyatt Teller thing is, I, I know Nick Chubb coming back is a big deal, and that's great. And I he's an amazing player and arguably the best player on the Browns. But there's there's this crazy stat about Wyatt Teller, and I think it's caught off the top of my head. I'm going to get this wrong because I can't find it, but it's from Doug Farr of. Uh, the USA Today Network actually does their NFL blog. Uh, he's one of my old buddies. But it's something like the Browns average 3.9 yards carry when Wyatt Teller is not in the game. And when he is in the game, I think it was the Browns average 7.3 yards per carry. Something ridiculous, basically. And getting him back is a, is a big, big deal because he's been out – quite a long time now so to me that that's a huge one but I, I think talking about the second half just as a general here we are the Browns have eight games left vantage point they need I, I think linebackers at this point are a lost cause for the Cleveland Browns unfortunately I like Mac Wilson but he's not a He's not a superstar linebacker, unfortunately. So I, I think that whole position is just a lost cause this year. And you need guys like Sheldon Richardson to make a few of these big plays. You need, I don't know what's going on with Larry Ogunjobi, Nate, but he does not look like the same guy we've seen at times in the past. Uh, he looked pretty good at the start of the year, but I don't remember the last big play he had. So guys like him, Richardson, you need something to happen opposite Miles Garrett because he's getting triple teamed. The, that defensive line, where it's the strength of your your defense, supposedly, some of these other guys need to be making plays. I, I think if we're talking about, you know, a Larry Ogunjobi strip sack, talking about a Browns win, you know, in, in a game that, that is a toss-up, like maybe one of these next two games. So I, I think just looking at it that way, you just need guys to step up. I, I don't think it's going to be a linebacker. But switching back to the offense, you talked about it a little bit, but Kevin Stefanski, I can't remember which story, but it's in one of the stories on our website. He talked about during the bye week kind of 
just doing an overview of the team and with the offense in mind, do you think that he'll approach the second half of the season any differently than the first half? I know there's the no Odell Beckham thing, so that'll change things. But do you think the Browns are going to look much different in the second half on offense? Mm, yes and no. I think that they're going to look like they did before Nick Chubb got hurt. With Nick Chubb coming back, I think they're going to lean on the run even more. And and you remember, I mean, there were times where they wouldn't let Baker throw. Like they, I mean, <laughs> and Baker's actually, you know, he's kind of turned it around here recently. You know, obviously the weather game against the Raiders and all the drop passes, you know, kind of skews this the statistics uh, from that game, but obviously sets of franchise records. Uh, against the Bengals with the completion streak and then tying the touchdown record with five and including that game winner. So I'm I'm not down on Baker by any means, but I just think that the bread and butter of this offense is running behind that wide zone blocking scheme. And when you have the one-two punch that really no one else in the NFL has in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think you take advantage of it. So I think that they are going to lean heavily on it like they did early in the season. You know, Chubb was hurt against the Cowboys. So, you know, that was the, what, fourth game? And, you know, he's missed the last four. Teller was hurt in the next game against the Colts. So he's missed the last three. So they're huge parts of the running game. Obviously, your Pro Bowl starting running back uh, who was second in the NFL last year in, in rushing yards. He's going to get most of the attention, but we give plenty of love to Wyatt Teller. Dan, Wyatt Teller is so uh, well-suited for this blocking scheme that he was just able to to take all the hard work that he put in the offseason and I talked to him about and transforming his body. He was able to take all that. That was going to elevate his game no matter what scheme he was in. But then to be in this scheme and to have the coaching of Bill Callahan, that just, you know, allowed him to, to raise his game even further. And he it's just the planets have aligned for this guy. Uh, he is the number one rated guard by pro football focus. Um, he still is obviously missing the, these last three games. You know, he hasn't been able to to get better or worse with that grade, but nobody surpassed him. And he's still the number one blocking guard also by PFF. This is out of like 77 or 78 guards they've graded this season. So this guy is he's legit. And so with those guys coming back, I honestly think that that we're going to see the Browns really try to to dominate teams with the running game and 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 really. You know, assert their will, control time of possession, um, help Baker Mayfield out. And, and they, they had been able to do that at times this season. Obviously not when they wanted to against the really elite teams, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. We've been over that a million times and we will heading into those rematches later in the season. But I do think that there was a recipe for success that was established early on that they're going to return to with, with, with Chubb and Teller coming back. And of course, with Odell being out, it, it it just points to that, you know, direction as well. Mm -hmm. So kind of moving on to the news of the week, a lot of it is injury related that we've been 
talking about, particularly with Chubb and Teller. But the big, huge news that came out on Sunday was that Baker Mayfield was put on the reserve COVID list. I think that's the right way to say it. But yes. he did not. He did not have coronavirus. A staff member of the Browns did, but it wasn't a player. It wasn't Browns a coach are, either. Correct. Right. So the Browns are going to get. Mayfield back tomorrow in practice on Wednesday. How much do you think that's going to affect the Browns going into week 10? I actually don't think it's going to be a, a really big factor as long as, of course, he continues to test negative and does come back tomorrow, which is the track he's on. Right. You know, but here they are on the bye, right? So they, they, they practiced Monday, and Kevin Stefanski called that a bonus day. And really, it is a bonus day. Um, but Baker was able to participate in the virtual meetings, and then he was able to watch the practice and review the practice uh, virtually, review the film of it virtually with the coaching staff. So he's pretty involved, this you know, given the circumstances. And then if he gets out there tomorrow, then he gets his normal week of practice in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, walk through Saturday, Sunday game. So I don't think it's actually a huge deal as long as those negative tests continue to come in for him. You know, you're, you're just not really getting ahead like you would hope to get ahead during the bye uh, because you had that mon- Monday on the field with your teammates taken away, but we're still able to get some things done. Yeah. And actually, to some extent, I think I, it's not a good thing, obviously, but I think if you look at it, this vantage point, it is a, it's, it's not terrible. I kind of like the idea, particularly on what you, what you said, and that Monday isn't like a free day or whatever of him being able to step back and kind of see how the team functions. And maybe there's something to learn for him there you know, watching somebody else deal with the same exact pieces he's going to have on Sunday. You know, maybe he sees one or two things that, you know, could could factor into the game that he might not have seen otherwise, you know, when he's, when he's in there firing the ball out. I mean, maybe he sees, hey, this, this play could be a good way to get Kareem Hunt involved in the passing offense or while my first read on this play is usually Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper could factor into this play a little more than I usually see when I'm running it. So from from that vantage point, I actually think this could turn out to be a good thing for the Browns in, in, the, in the end. Again, of course, assuming he is back Wednesday, assuming everything goes fine going forward. So I don't know. It, it's... It was quite the headline that, that popped out on Sunday, but I think it could ultimately end up being a pretty good thing for the Browns. It is yeah, only, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's also two more days to rest the ribs. Yep. I mean, you could look, you could find silver lining in this, but it is obviously just unusual sign of the times. I, ben Roethlisberger was placed on COVID list today because of the same type of situation, being a close contact even though he's been testing negative. So, you know, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's not the only one dealing with this. The Browns aren't the only ones dealing with this. 
And league-wide, I mean, you'd have to consider the Browns fortunate at this point, as long as they continue to test negative. They have not had a player test positive since training camp, whereas other teams obviously have. Other teams have had games in jeopardy. Other teams have had games rescheduled. So, yeah, not great, but you can find some silver linings. Uh, We'll see how it plays out, and it's been worse for other teams. Yeah, hopefully that continues to be the case for the Browns, especially considering how exponentially the number of positive cases of coronavirus in Ohio is increasing. So we'll we'll see. I I feel like this is going to be obviously a story we were thinking about the rest of the season. And if the Browns can somehow get by and get through 17 weeks without missing players, it's going to be something of a miracle at this point, given the current environment in the country and in football in general. But Nate, let's, let's kind of look ahead to Sunday's game against Houston. The the Texans are, are a mess this season. They are at two and six. They fired their coach and general manager. Uh, They have appointed Good old Romeo Cronell is their interim head coach. I love Romeo Cronell. And there's apparently, it, it's pretty messy there. There was trade rumors about J.J. Watt last week that didn't happen. Deshaun Watson is seemingly a one-man show on their offense, although Will Fuller, the wide receiver there, is pretty good. Nate, if you had to, if you had to key on one thing for this game for the Browns to win, what would it be? Well, this is going to sound repetitive, but I'm assuming Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller are playing, and they are going against the 32nd-ranked rushing defense in the NFL. And I talked earlier about how this is a game of matchups, and I do worry about Deshaun Watson potentially lighting up the Browns. But, you know, play some ball control. Try to minimize the Texans' possessions. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting back to that one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, your best run blocker probably back in right guard. Man, I don't know. I, I look at that, and I think this is where the Browns really can win this game. Um, but, you know, I do worry about that defense against Deshaun Watson just because this is a guy who I have so much respect for and – um, I just think despite all the problems going on within that organization, when you have Deshaun Watson, you still have to feel pretty good about your future. And, I mean, he's been playing well. So, um, you know, I look at his statistics, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, 108.7 rating. You just can't sleep on on a team when, when Deshaun Watson's its quarterback. I agree completely. I, I think this is a this is a dangerous game for the Browns. Uh, I'm not going to ask you for a score prediction, Nate, but do you have a win prediction? Because I got to tell you, I don't. Like I, I am completely uh, wide open with what I think is going to happen in this game. I think it could be another one of these games where. Like the Cincinnati games, for instance, where the Browns kind of let a bad team stick around and stick around, but they had to score a bunch of points. I could see that happening. 
I think it would be smart, like you mentioned, if they kind of control the clock and, and run the ball a lot. But I, I I still think this is a toss up. Unfortunately, do you have a do you have a lean on who you think is going to win this game? You know what? When this schedule came out, I thought I would go with Houston. Obviously, I thought they'd be a lot better overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I still, as I've praised Deshaun Watson so much, I wanted the Browns to take him, obviously, way back when. And I just, I think a lot of them. So I don't have a, 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 a prediction right now because I don't know who's starting a quarterback for the Browns for sure. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> we we will find out if it's all systems go for Baker Mayfield on Wednesday. I probably am. In, if it is, I'm probably going to end up going with the Browns, but very reluctantly. And um, I'll pick a tight one for sure, because I think that, you know, that the, the Browns would have to score a decent amount and uh, and kind of win in a nail biter. Yeah, I'm trying to look for for odds real quick. It's looking like the Browns are two and a half point favorites, which considering they're the home team. Las Vegas is seeing this as essentially a toss-up game. Um, so that that's really something. I don't know. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be uh, a Browns win if they if they want to make the playoffs. They they're going to need to. If not, they're going to have to go on quite a streak here in the second half of the year. Nate, you got anything else for us this week before we get out of here? I don't think so, other than, you know, I do want to mention Miles Garrett. You know, he obviously had a little bit of scare in the last game before the bye with the Raiders and and had his snap count drastically reduced because of a knee injury he suffered uh, very early in the game. For what I could tell, the first uh, play from his first play from scrimmage, the the Raiders first play from scrimmage, uh, where he took a cut block on 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 essentially a wide receiver screen. Um, but, you know, MRI came back the next day and then everything was good. According to Kevin Stefanski, no, no significant structural damage said he would play against the Texans. And then he did, he did return to practice yesterday. It just wasn't as big a news because we had already gotten the good report on him from the coach. So we knew he was going to be playing and, and he was expected to be back on the field and Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller, we didn't know that definitively. We knew there was a chance that they could play against the Texans, but obviously the big news is them being back on the field yesterday. But Miles is the Browns' best player. And for them to, you know, end this playoff drought, he's got to continue to be their best player and, and, and to continue to be the NFL Defensive Player of the Year worthy difference maker that he was in the first half of the season. So I, I do think that, his health, you know, he's dealing with a knee, he's dealing with an ankle, dealing with a wrist that he has had to have a, a shot, numbing, pain-killing numbing shot in his right hand. He was unsure after that Raiders game if, when he just missed a strip sack if he actually made contact with the ball or with Derek Carr's hand because when he swiped with his right hand, he was swiping with a numb hand and couldn't tell for sure. Wow. So that tells you how numb it was. Uh, but on replay, he does get a piece of it. Now, I couldn't tell if it was definitely the ball or Carr's hand on the ball, but he got a piece of of one of those two things, uh, if not both, and just missed 
extending his sack streak to seven games. It ended up ending at six games. He narrowly missed his fifth strip sack of the season. And I'm looking at the Texans and as much respect as I have for Deshaun Watson, hey, they are minus four in turnover differential. The Browns are plus four. So when I think about the Browns, the defense getting all those takeaways, it starts with Miles Garrett. Obviously something to watch how he's going to play dealing with, you know, these injuries. And now there's a list of at least three we know of. <laughs> And and they need him to to be the the great player that he was in the in the first half of the season. So I've got a lot of spotlight on the running game and Nick Chubb and Whitetail are coming back, but also attention on number ninety five as usual. It indeed, and it'll it'll certainly be worth snap count watching with Miles Garrett in general, even if he gets the all clear. If everybody says he's healthy, the snap count will to tell the truth in the end. So that'll be something to watch. I'm sure there will be a lot of follow-up to that after the game. And of course, there's going to be a ton of stuff leading up to the game. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. You can find all of our coverage of the Cleveland Browns over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. But that's going to do it here for this week on Cover 2. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you next time.